I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. Hi, I'm Devorah Vale. I'm a life and wellness coach and the host of this podcast. Welcome to Accessing Your Best Self, a space meant for exploring the wisdom of Torah and its practical application for improving our character. So sit back and relax and join me as we learn some tips on how you can access your best self. Good morning. Happy to be shvat. Oh, 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 okay. All right. So let's get moving. Yes. Mm, my favorite. Find it. it was hard to find. I love it. I'm grateful. I want you to get my teeth in boxer shape. Okay. So we are beginning. Beginning. We have begun the subject of kina, jealousy, and um, we started last week. But I'll give a, a, a brief review for myself and for you. And we're going to continue. So we said that jealousy is a very intense emotional feeling, which everybody feels at some time or another. And there are different types of jealousy. We talked about Saras Ayan, which is a certain narrowness of the eyes, which is I don't real I don't even need what you have, but I just don't like that you have it. Right? And we talked about a little bit about Kina, which is really just the kind of jealousy that we can really all understand, which is, you know, I see something, I want it, you have it, you know. And as Rabbi Matisyah Solomon said, we very quickly go from, hey, you stole that from me, that's mine. You know, you're a robber, right? You stole that, you stole that from me, I should have that. So Kina is very much um, sourced in self absorption egocentricity and not being happy with oneself very often it comes from these um, this is the source and the antidote very simply which is so easy right is being happy with what I have wanting what you have as the secret to happiness not necessarily having what you want as they say <laughs> wanting what you have so um, we know there's other problematic midot that go along with uh, kina. They are gaiva, kaas, and taiva. Gaiva meaning an arrogant personality, kaas, anger, taiva, somebody who is driven by pleasure, and taiva, also an obsession. And we're told that these are bad qualities whose evil is known to everyone. They're problematic on their own and also on what they produce. They all involve a certain loss of intelligence and good judgment. So we said that just like anger, jealousy too, it doesn't matter how high an IQ you have, you are just consumed by emotion. It's a very intense emotion. Um, so, and you're basically moving from the logical to the illogical. So we talked about how um, we could be moved to anger at people who did absolutely nothing wrong to us, right? It's, it's not that they even did anything to us, but we become, you know, we almost come to hate the person who's the object of our jealousy. 
Okay, so then we talked about this uh, connection. Well, we talked about the Gemara that talks about the 12,000 pairs of Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, who all die in a plague, and we all know about that because we don't have any weddings during that time period or haircuts. And we're told in Yavamos Lamud Base that the reason that they were that they met this their end like this was because that they didn't treat each other with kavod. And Chazal say there also that they had narrow eyes towards each other. They had saras ayin. And Rabbi Friedlander asked the question, which one was it? Was it that they didn't show kavod or that they didn't forgive each other the fact that, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I am a Talmud Chacham, but I don't like that you're a Talmud Chacham, right? So he says that the two are interconnected, that one's the cause and one's the effect. That the internal process, the first part of the process was the Tsaris Ayan. It bothers me that I am not the superstar. That, you know, as I like to say, there's 23,999 other people who are just like me, right? So how am I special? How do I stand out? What makes me different? And he says that this is what led to them not being able to treat each other with kavod. Because if you're feeling this way internally, you're naturally, it's naturally going to have some kind of effect on how you're going to treat the other person. Okay, what's Saras Ayan? So we said the word Sar means narrow. Tsar is an enemy. Tsara is a second wife, right? My perspective on you, that's what a second wife is called in the Gemara. My perspective on you is that I see you as an enemy, a threat, the way one would see a second wife or an enemy, and I see you in a very narrow way. And Saras Ayan makes it hard for me to like you. Um, I'm bothered that things are going so well for you. I feel like we're in competition with each other. And the fact that you are up makes me feel like I'm down. So the idea is your success is making me feel unsuccessful. And we have this with specific people in our lives, not with everybody. We can be happy for others as long as we don't feel that we're in competition with them. What do you think about this? You think that's true? Okay. So it's like an inverse relationship uh, between the people who we see this way. I thought I was pretty, slim, successful, and now I met you. <laughs> and I don't feel so good about myself anymore. So that was the Makor in Chazal about the Talmidim of Rabbi Akiva, that they were bothered by each other's successes. They felt bad about themselves by the other's success. So it's one thing to be jealous of material or physical assets, but it's another thing to be jealous of others' spiritual goals. That's considered really bad. So I actually thought there was something positive. I'm sure everyone's heard something positive. No, you're about right, and, and it is, it. and it is something mm. positive. So mm. kinat sofrim, which is we have tsaris ayin kina, and then kinat sofrim. It's a double-edged sword. In other words, it can be very, very positive. Because and we're gonna we're gonna flesh that out because it can goad you on to want to raise yourself up spiritually. That's the positive way of using kinat sofrim. But unfortunately, it can also you know make you hate that girl in your class who's like has so much kavana and davening and you know you're like kind of looking around all the time and you're thinking what's with her you know what I mean like it can also in that area of spirituality actually and, and if anything they say that is the absolute worst is that you have a real negative feeling about 
other people's spirituality, then it makes you really feel terrible about yourself. And it doesn't push you on to want to be more. It just makes you want to dig a hole for the other person. experience that, like... There's conversations between um, the, the from from birth world and the Baal world. And I've heard comments in both directions. Mm. Because you're from from birth, you're negative this way. Because you're Baal you're negative this way. Like, have, have, have we heard these things? What do you mean by I negative? Mean, like, oh. I, I don't want to be too specific, but like I've heard of... I've well, heard I know Baal can make from from birthers look bad, right? Like actually okay. the Aish Minion up in, uh, in Thornhill, when it first began... It begged FFBs not to come to the Minion. Yes, yes, because they found that the ones that were coming, you know, were unfortunately talking during dubbing. And you have all these, like, excited Balchuvas who are, like, on such a high level, and they're so into doing everything right. And now they're surrounded by all of these people who are supposedly their examples and and it's not that way. So, you know, they could become, FFBs can make a lot of negative jokes about Balei Chuva, but sometimes it's to hide their own sense of the fact that they have become lax, lackadaisical about the Yiddishkeit. And it's a challenge to have these keeners, right, who are so excited about everything, right, next to you because it's like, you're making me look bad. You're making me look bad, and I don't like that feeling. An FFP is somebody who's from from birth, yeah, right. So that's a very good point, and that's what I think. What I thought thought you might be alluding to. So that that is very good. Okay, so why would I be upset with another person? Why is there this seesaw type of relationship with some people in our lives? And we talked about how social social psychology posits that there are three different ways that people relate to other people. The first way is called independence. Did we talk about this last week? Okay, good. So independent person is, listen, you do your thing, I do mine. I have nothing to do with you. You have nothing to do with me. We are not at all having any kind of symbiotic or synergistic type of relationship. And, you know, I'm on my own. I see myself as I can't trust anybody. I don't rely on anybody. I, you know, those type of people, I have to do it myself because I don't, I'm alone in the world. Okay. So she says, this isn't such a Jewish value because we're all connected. And this idea of I don't need you for anything is a bit extreme. And then the next one is called negative interdependence. And this is like something that we all live with because this is very much part of our society that we grow up in and probably most societies. And this is, I need you, but I need you in a negative way. My success is dependent on your failure. Okay, and this is really how we're conditioned from a very young age. We're conditioned to be in this kind of relationships. Are we? Is there parking cross road because there's a car there, and I don't know if there's a parking. Oh, it's my car. There's there's parking. Oh, we're not parked legally. No, no, no. I don't know if it's a police car or a traffic car. Right there. Oh, car was red. There's a yeah. There's traffic. There's. So are we parked legally or illegally? Just. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. That's important. No, it's a police car. They're not usually the ones who do traffic. Today. Right. So, okay. Yeah, but it's it usually says park. parking right on it. Oh, then there's a check just in case. Okay, Naomi's going out to rescue the day. Pardon me? It says parking. You read that. Well, not, not on this one, but usually it says. 
Anyway, when it comes to negative interdependence, we are like like I said, we're very much conditioned. So it's inside my card. It's not on the license. So he wants it on the license. No problem. Oh, stop for my. Stop for my. Sticker. You don't have the license outside. I do, but the sticker fell off. So negative interdependence. From the time we're young, we have these kind of relationships, right? You're running a race. Well, there's only one person who can win, right? The one who outruns everyone else. Okay, so only one person can win the race. <laughs> we don't want to be happy that someone else got ticketed instead of us, you know. Okay, um, so, you know, the idea is uh, I need to run fast and I need you to slow down, okay. It would even be good if you got a cramp in your leg <laughs> because I need to be successful and I need you to be unsuccessful. We see it in academics, right? There's usually only one valedictorian. I don't know about today. Maybe they make everybody valedictorian so that everybody will have good self-esteem, right? But the idea is that I'm hoping that that smart kid will mess up on that one question. I think Hashem has also given each of us a different degree of how much we need this. Like, some people are yeah. very, by nature, not competitive. Yeah. Well, other people well again, and I them. think that we are generally more competitive in the area that matters to us. In other words, if you have a certain skill set or you're trying to sell a certain product and somebody else is in the exact same pool as you are, you're going to have different feelings than somebody who's, you know, doing something that you're not really that interested in. So, or up the corporate ladder where you want right. to advance and be managed. You've got to pull that budget. person down, yeah. right? You've got to make it look that you are the better candidate for that. Sure. For I that. need you to do less well so that I can come out looking better. Well, so you see it at school, too. Like um, There's a lot of talk always at the end of the year um, with the younger kids. Like They'll have awards. And do we give everybody a participation award? Do we choose certain kids? Well, we and we choose these kids, but then those kids are crying or they don't understand. Yeah, especially then, today, it's gone haywire, right? This whole idea that there are no races and there's no scoring. I mean, my my nephew, who's a great hockey player, my sister told me there's a whole intramural sports now that you can get on the teams where they don't keep score. Wow! I said, well, how does that make the game fun? Yeah. She said, but that the whole idea is that, no, we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Mm. I mean, it's yeah, gone yeah, It's gone to such a completely that. ridiculous that's degree. The that's, I, you're, you're, I see it even with the same teachers. Um, everybody's got to win. Teacher, and she says that the girls over the last, she's been teaching now, whatever, 15, 18 years. The girls over the last 15 years are getting... Um, that's why I say the word worse. It's not worse, but their behavior is becoming that Geiger, I'm better than you. And she says, and they don't, and they, and you're not allowed to say anything. Teachers are not allowed to say anything. You're not allowed to put kids back in their place. Really interesting. Says, you I very no, you can't shame <laughs> anybody anymore. I know you can't. My home yeah. to their parents, no, and the parents call you, right? And the parents call you. Well, Aline's yeah. lucky enough she's a supply teacher. And then kids, and kids, three kids, kids see through this stuff too. Like my daughter still oh, yeah. talks about how at camp, you know, she got uh, the prettiest girl award, 
Right? And she, no, no, but she was saying, like, they had to think of something to give her, right? Oh, I see. Like, that's how she felt, like, you know, because they want they don't want her to feel bad. But, like, she, as a kid, she could see through, like, I mean, she's pretty, but still, she could see through, like, what is that? You know, like, don't the other people get what they got because they deserve it? And don't try to find something. Didn't even watch the Oscars last night. I don't usually watch the Oscars. I don't really follow and enjoy it. But I, I came yeah, in. Yeah, they were doing Prince the same thing. Really. Like, and does that get rid of jealousy? What do you think? Does that get rid of jealousy? One of the great movies. Oh, so, oh, this is the first award that great movies get, and the award was for best hair, hair design, hair cutting, whatever. And the the person that received the award was the person that did the haircuts. Now, in that person's career, to get that kind of recognition, that's awesome. Yeah. But I don't want to make a movie that doesn't get any award except for the one that says the hair, the actors had good haircuts. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of award is that? That is weird. That I've never interesting. heard of that. Okay. So, so, that that's 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 so this is very yeah, relevant. Yeah, that's very hard to do. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's all they got for the movie. Okay, but, it, but is that, that. Yeah. is that better than growing no, up it, and seeing how we are so conditioned to see each other's success as... Oh, I'm, I guess I'm not doing so well if that person is, you know, doing better. There was a story that was going around on the WhatsApp about that this Rabbi Klasko told the story. Do you know the story? Mm-hmm. He was at a uh, flea market or some kind of garage sale. And they were traveling and his wife saw a piano there for like $350 and she always wanted a piano. And she said, hey, can we get this piano? It's all... And he said, yeah, why not? It's only $350. Okay, I'll get it for you. So he goes to um, he goes to the guy and he says, we're interested in the piano. And he said, well, you know, there was one other lady who was looking at it. I'm just going to have to check with her if she wants it and then it's yours. So they go find the lady. The lady happened to be also another from lady, and she didn't have enough money for it. She was short $75. So this guy, Clasco, said, well, you want it, though, don't you? And she said, well, I would like it. And he said, well, I'll lend you the money. And this is in front of this non-Jewish guy who was selling the piano. He said, here, here's the money that you need, and you'll send it back to me. And he came around. Anyway, this non-Jew was so shocked and amazed that he, he was so impressed. He said, I've never seen anybody do something like that. And he said, well, you know, she was here first, and why shouldn't I? Anyway, it turned out that he was so impressed by him that he had all this scotch to, to sell, and he said, here, just take it. Okay, he wanted to give it to him as a gift. And then, of course, the end of the story is that they found an even nicer piano for, like, you know, the same amount of money or less on the Internet, like a few weeks later, etc., etc. So this is the idea of positive interdependence. And this is a very Jewish idea. The Jewish idea is I do need you. I need you to succeed in order for me to succeed. In other words, we are all in this together. We're one organism, right? Your good is my good. Your loss is my loss. Your pain is my pain, right? We have so many yeah. stories about no seba ol and the gadolim and the great people, including Moshe Rabbeinu, who his greatness was that he felt the pain of his brothers, even though he was living in the palace, you know? And so, and so this is the Jewish idea. So there's a story about Rav Noach Weinberg Zatzal, who's actually, his yurt site was just this past week, his 11th yurt site. And he once declared to all of his students at Aisha Torah, you think you heard the show for this year, but no, nobody, none of you heard the show for this year. And he was saying basically that why, do you, why did you not hear the shofar? Because 
if there were other Jews who didn't hear the shofar, then you didn't really hear it in the way that it needed to be heard. In other words, it can't be complete. It can't be, you know, it can't be whole if other Jews didn't even, not only not hear it, but didn't even know that they're supposed to hear it. And that was, you know, what he was teaching. That is that actually brought down somewhere? Like, is that actually our reality that until the, the communal mitzvahs? Are... No, no, no. But I think it's more the philosophy of it. The yeah, philosophy of it is him saying that you are responsible for your brothers, mm-hmm. and something's lacking. You cannot be completely content until all the Jewish people are are part of, you know, part of things. Who that are that are? are I mean, because that was his whole thing, right? That you. That if it, that it's a spiritual holocaust, that if you were in, if you saw a Jew drowning in the water, right, or anybody, right, your natural impulse would be to pull mm-hmm. them out. And that when it comes to other Jews who are so far from Armasora, they're really like they're drowning because we know that in terms of assimilation, they're finished, right? The next generation, it's over. And so wouldn't you want to pull them out of the water? So again, how can you be content and, and relaxed with the fact that, well, who cares? I'm on the land and I've got what I need and I'm good, right? This is not a Jewish idea. No, you're not good. You're not good if somebody else is suffering, if somebody else is lost, if somebody else has no spiritual clarity, right? You, it's your responsibility, the idea of that we are responsible for one another. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this analogy before. There's like given over like that there's a boat and one guy is digging a hole under his seat and the water's coming in and this other guy's upset what are you doing you know we're all going to drown he's like oh but it's under my seat like it doesn't matter but you're all on the same exactly yeah there's a cute sometimes. little song by um i think shmuel kunda oh yeah i usually <laughs> sing it <laughs> we're all in the same boat if someone drills a little hole then none of us can float so whether you are in Tucson or you come from Timbuktu, you are still responsible for every other Jew. Okay, you get the idea. Yeah. So the idea is that everyone has to work together. We talk about teamwork in school, right? We try to put everybody on the same page. And the question is, how do we create positive interdependence and celebrate each other's success? Because being able to develop this is one of the antidotes to jealousy. You can see how this works, right? Instead of you're up, I'm down. When you succeed, I'm a failure. Rather, we see that, no, your success is my success. And when you fail, I fail. Okay, and we're going to get into more ideas that are going to help us with jealousy. But back to this central idea when it comes to anything that, um, when it comes to any work on developing our character strengths and getting rid of our negatives is again we have to go back to this idea of homer and sura that homer means that some people like naomi was saying are just naturally more competitive you're born that way you have a competitive streak you know i mean people who are in sports i mean my mother was a huge tennis player and On the one hand, she was very competitive. On the other hand, she still had that good eye, which is a balance, you know, to be able to say, hey, good shot. Hey, you guys did great today. You won and you deserve to win. 
because, wow, you were on the top of your game as opposed to rushing, fronting, whatever, right? <laughs> Walking off the court and being a bad sport, right? They try to teach the two together for competitive people because naturally competitive people don't want to hug the other guy when the game's over. But they try to include that in, in sports so that people will learn that. So, But still, there are people who are less competitive, you know? They just don't have that. They're not wired that way to be competitive. You know, maybe they're also less aggressive and less uh, ambitious, and maybe it comes with other things. But generally speaking, and so the sura is how much we work on ourselves, right? The extent to which I work on whatever character trait that is. If I'm very competitive, I need to work harder to see other successes as beneficial. Okay, I just, uh, as a kid, I was in this Kiwanis Music Festival every single year in St. Catharines. And it was really, you know, I, I actually wrote a whole piece on it, but I was always up against these two girls, Elspeth Thompson and Mary Beth McCarthy, you know, <laughs> real, real Canadians, right? And I never saw them all year long. They went to schools far away from where we lived, but of course, every year at the music festival, we'd meet each other, and we'd know that it was between the three of us for first, second, and third. It was like an unspoken knowledge, right? And so, you know, whatever, it just would bring up those feelings of competition, and it's very hard to like the person that you're in competition with, you know? Okay, so um, it, it, it it's going on in all kinds of areas. Obviously, in politics, it's very clearly that idea of I'm up, you're down. I need a lot of votes. I don't want you to get votes, so I'm going to talk you down. It can even happen at home with children, right? When you have sticker star charts on your fridge when they're young, right? Oh, I'm winning, you're losing. Look, she got another sticker. I didn't get a sticker. And even though you're trying to modify behavior, you know, the point is, is you're creating this negative interdependence, which is I'm a success because you're a failure. I got more stars. And, and it's just natural that we compare ourselves to each other. Well, even in board games, Board games. That's yes. What she, yes, she says you, that. You know, even in board games on Shabbos, and it comes up, somebody's a winner, someone's a loser, somebody tries to, uh, you, you, you know, kind of take advantage or look over at the other one. Right. Or do, it, and it, children especially, right, of have course. a very hard time losing. Of course. They have a terrible time. Well, children sometimes, it's, it's adults. teenagers. I'm or adults. adults. Oh, I know. Adults. We know yes. Some of us never grow out of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. They know? have the killer instinct. It's the killer instinct. My yeah, sister yeah. used to joke that she had to wear like a helmet when we played spit together. Because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> because she'd be like, you know, going up, you like, Whack, you know, stop. <laughs> okay, she said that. You know, you find out things at shivas, you know, yes. things at childhood stuff. But I hate to admit that about myself. But, yeah, that killer instinct comes out, and, you know, you don't want to lose. Know, there is one board game yeah. that uh, one of the children, uh, kids got. It's where everybody has to work. It's called Pandemic. How... Uh, Perfectly related pandemic. Oh yeah. You know, it, there's you like an epidemic, which is like now, and you had to be, let's say, in this and this in Europe. There's the 
there's the lab and then there's some lab somewhere else and oh no something has started in Africa something has started here the nurses so you have you to have work to together bring, yeah, play, you have to work together oh, to nice. beat the that that's epidemic good. oh that's so good. there you go so but that's it's so expensive teaching, really <laughs> it's like it's like a 60 dollar game? game or it's wow. like a lot like it's, sometimes I think wow I'd love to buy that for a household and then I think no that's too much money I can buy them a quilt yeah <laughs> That's well, teaching positive interdependence. Yeah, yeah, so that's a very good example. That's a great example, well, right? That's, I'm, I'm a, a game person. I know. Oh, okay. We play games. Uh, check with me about the name because it might not be the word pandemic. Okay. I, it might be called something. It is called exactly. pandemic. Oh, yeah, pandemic. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, very relevant with the coronavirus, yes, huh? Yes, yeah, and it was Ooh. way before, but it's... Okay. But this whole idea of working together as a group, even in the classroom, like instead of having sticker charts for each kid, um, other year we haven't done it this year, but other years... We'll have a jar, and they're all working as a team. Yeah, I've seen and that. So, I've seen that. And they and get popcorn. They get pop the popcorn at the yeah, end of it. Yeah, different things, you know. So the teacher a, will have a jar. Yeah, so it's a group goal, and often um, we'll it even say, like, cohesion. tell us something you saw that someone else did, so mm -hmm. they're not focused mm -hmm. on themselves. That's yeah, it. that's great. That's yeah. very good. So that's much more positive than making everybody feel like oh, they're exactly yeah, mm -hmm. about the same. Um, so... Um, so the antidote, what's the antidote to Tsaras Ayan? The narrowness is that I only see you through, through the eyes of how you affect me, right? I see the other person through eyes that say, you know, how, how you affect me. I can't see the bigger picture of all the good things about you because it's sort of like that zoom in, zoom out idea that we have with Hakpada. Mm -hmm. I, all I see is that area about you that is threatening me, that is taking away my sense of worthiness or taking away my sense of specialness, how I shine, what makes, what I thought was what I had, and you know, right? Nobody else has. Okay, so let's talk about another uh, antidote, and this really is uh, under the umbrella of bitachon to help us with this idea of seeing the bigger picture. So in the Gemara Yoma in Lamed Ches, it says there, a man cannot touch even a hair's breadth of what is set aside for his friend. Okay, so somebody who really has bitachon and Hashem believes this, bitachon, trust. Yeah, trust in Hashem, right? Recognizes that you cannot touch anything that's coming to me. Okay? In other words, do you really think that the other person is affecting your success? Your success comes from Hashem. They can't take anything away from you. If you were meant to have it, you will have it. And if you were not meant to have it, you won't have it. The antidote to Tsaras Ayan is bitachon. Nobody can take away from me what I am supposed to get. Now, we have a really hard time with that because, of course, we think, well, no, because if I put in more effort... And if I worked harder, and what, in whatever way this relates mm -hmm. to the particular thing, you know, then I could also have what they have. And sometimes the truth is, as I think Rabbi Shimshon Pinka says, that, you know, jealousy is a quality that Hashem put into us because the truth is, is competition is what makes human beings build bigger buildings, you know. Oh, your house is that big? Well, my house is going to be just a little bigger than yours, right? And like everybody is 
you know, sort of propelled by this feeling of I want to be more. It creates motivation. It creates motivation. We're going to talk about that impulse in man that says, I want to be more. I want to be bigger. The problem is, is that... It's a shame to define that bigger by what you have. I'd rather compare it to what I can have. Like, my, my, my imagination is bigger than what you have. So let me just compare it to my own imagination instead. Okay, but even better than that, the point is, is this, this, and we're going to get to this in more detail, but this, this, this drive to want to be bigger and to have more is really a spiritual thing. It's the, the core of it is spiritual because there's something called Godless Adam, and Adam Harishon, right? We know in Gan Eden, he was, could see from one end of the world to the other, right? Before the hate, he was on an incredible level that we can't even imagine. But the, the, the desire for human beings to want to reach this kind of godless is rooted in the creation story. And the idea is, is that he fell, he lost that greatness when he ate from the tree. The world became different. Death came into the world. Thorns and thistles grew, etc. Man became altered. But man has this natural desire to re re restore, you know, to get back to the garden, as the song goes, right? To restore that godless. And the problem is, is like every trait that we have, it can either be sublimated to its lower level, of I want your shoes, I want your shirt, I want your this, I want your house, I want your husband, I want your children, I want this, I want that, right? In terms of making me feel bigger and greater, or I want to become more spiritual, I want your values because they're so good, keenat sofrim in a positive way. I want to become closer to Hashem, right? So you could see this in many ways. I'm kind of skipping to another class because I just gave this, but even the concept of imitation, that human beings are wired to imitate other people, right? The first time you saw Crocs, you said Ugh. Or you saw Uggs, you said Ugh, right? And you said, how could anybody wear those or those Tom shoes? Like, what's so special about those Tom shoes, right? The point is, is once you see enough people wearing them, you go, oh, you know what? I really need a pair of those. I mean, I should, I love Crocs. Are you kidding me? I got them for the whole family. But you forgot, because that, that feeling of wanting to imitate is really the sublimation of the fact that we all want to imitate Hashem. The higher expression of it is, you know, Hurachum, you sh he's compassionate, you should be compassionate. He's patient, you want to be patient. He extends giving, you know, even if you don't deserve it. You need to give even when you're insulted, even when they don't deserve it, right? So all of these different core essence are all, we can go through tons of them. You know, I, another one that I, I talk about is, you know, the Jap, the Jewish American princess, right? Well, it's true, we are all princesses, right? But the question is, how are we going to express that nobility, that aristocracy? Are we going to express it in a negative way where, you know, out there in the world, especially if you grew up in the secular Jewish world, right? You know, the word Jap, Jewish American princess, right? I mean, that was the negative expression of the fact that, yes, right? that a Jewish girl, a Jewish woman, is nobility, is aristocracy. We come from... Sora, she we was come, a princess. 
Well, and we come from a people of nobility, right? People who were educated when nobody else was. People who were refined when nobody else was. All of our, and where does it all come from? It comes from our sources, the Torah. Our sources in spiritual, being spiritually rooted in this concept of nobility. You know, I was telling the people at the, the village shul when we were learning this that, you know, when I was in Florida, not so long ago, you know, there was a Hasidic woman on the beach with her husband, fully dressed, like dressed like she could be part of the, you know, the 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 the, the uh, uh, monarchy in England, right? Like you know, like beautifully dressed, and her and her husband were just sitting on the beach like that, you know. And and just before that, there had been some really low class people next to me, whatever. And he she buried her husband in the, or probably wasn't even in the sand, and I don't even want to say what she did, but she did something completely <laughs> obscene, yes, while she was burying him. And, you know, like the, the stark contrast, right, of the difference between, you know, and, and as somebody, as Kinat Sofrim, right, I could be with these Hasidish, what what are they doing? Like, they're on the beach, like, you know, what are they wearing all their clothes for, Is it, right? Or I could say, wow, you know, look at the nobility, like if the Queen of England was visiting the beach, wouldn't she be like that? And the sense that they know who they are, that we are aristocracy, we are nobility, you know, and completely um, immersed in that, in the proper way. So again, we see that when it comes to these, um, these, these parts of us that Hashem gave us, right, whether it's jealousy or imitation or, uh, you know, wanting to feel good about ourselves, through dressing beautifully or looking beautiful, right? They can all be either on a lower level or they can be raised to a higher level. And that's the challenge. So this impetus to want to be more and, and have more and amass more, we have to be careful because it could really be coming from that desire of wanting to be great, which is good, godless Adam, and yet... We have to make sure we're channeling it in the right way. You know, how do we feel better about ourselves? Is it by getting more stuff? Is it by making sure I have what she has? And now I'm going to feel pumped up until the next thing that I re realize I'm missing. So again, it's, it's very difficult, the inner work, because we're all insecure and we all, it's a much easier fix to get the thing that we think is going to fill us, right? You know, when you're sad, go on a shopping spree, but how long does it last? Okay, so it's just an interesting idea. But back to this idea, and then I'm going to end because it's probably late, that, you know, the idea of that nobody can touch even a hair's breadth of what's set aside for his friend is this idea, again, that, you know, in our minds, we have this idea that, listen, if I have more success... If I, if you have more success, then it means I'm going to have less. Okay. And it's kind of like there's a pizza pie. Anybody think of a pizza? And this pizza pie is finite. If you come over to my pizza pie and you take a nice big slice out of it, well, it's obvious that I have less. Okay. So get away from my pizza pie. Okay. And the idea is though, and the idea, and, and where that comes from is this idea of there's a limit of good fortune, of money, of success, of good looks, of spiritual success. And therefore, because there's a limit, I'm going to suffer if someone has more. 
right? Rabbi Reich at the Seum at the Clinton Park said, you know, when it comes to material things, if I have a hundred percent and I give you half, well, I'm, I'm chaser. I only have 50% left. But when it comes to knowledge or when it comes to spiritual values, I can give you, and not only do I not have less, I'm enriched by it. Because now we both have, right? And that was the idea, too, of the Rabbi Akiva Talmidim, is that they didn't want to share their Torah with each other. It says that after they died, the world was desolate. And when Rabbi Akiva started again with his next students, he said, don't do what they did. Don't make the world desolate. And the desolation came through the fact that Torah is meant to be shared. It's meant to be celebrated and not, oh, you know, you're, you are also, you know, you're taking something from me by becoming also as great as I am because now I'm less. Okay, so that kind of in negative interdependence. So we have to replace this perspective of the pizza pie that everyone's coming along and taking slices from mine with the idea that I have my very own complete pie. Or Each one of us has his own pie in front of her and nobody can touch it. Or or a candle can light many candles mm -hmm. that can light many candles right. that can light to almost to infinity. Right, so that's good with the, the spiritual and the yes. Torah values. Yes. But this yes. is a different idea, even, even materially. If the goes down, you've lit all these other Right, and, and you have not been diminished. Right, so that's yes. a beautiful example mm -hmm. of Increased. knowledge and Jewish, yes. right, that you do not get diminished by by sharing. Mm -hmm. But here mm -hmm. it's even something different because we are talking about material. Something finite. Something, finite, yeah. something material, okay? So instead of saying, you just took a piece of my pie, excuse me, that's that's mine, right? Or feeling that way, the idea is to replace it with, uh-uh, a man cannot touch even a hair's breadth of what is set aside for his friend. I have my own pie. You have your own pie. I can think, I can have this illusion that you're taking away from my pie, but it's an illusion because you can't take a, a hair's breadth of what God has designated for me. It's impossible. It's like uh, going against gravity, okay? That you could take from my pie because everyone has his own pie. And the way to really, you know, develop this idea for yourself is again, the bottom line in this is this idea. Hashem's ability to give good is not limited. Someone else having good is not limiting my success. So, for example, a friend of mine, and this would be for a younger crowd, but you can imagine, gets engaged to someone. Let's say you hear about your, your daughter's friend just got engaged to someone who's like, everybody's raving about him. He's so talented. He's so handsome. He learns Torah. He comes from a wonderful family. They've even got a little extra money, right? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what is the natural reaction to the girl who's still waiting for her basharat? Oh, great. Now there's one less great guy to go around, right? She just took that guy. So the pool of success has now become smaller. Mm -hmm. And how am I going to find anybody, you know, how, whatever. I'm not going to find somebody like that. And this pool of success has been affected because there's one less great guy. So somehow my state has been affected by her success. So the antidote, again, is the idea that nobody is affecting my lot 
I have to remind myself of this all the time, that other people's success is not affecting mine, that those feelings that I have are just feelings that are the inner teacher, like anger. They're telling me, well, you know what? Maybe you really want this. Maybe this is something that you need to work to acquire. Maybe you need to do the work to get it, whether it's a physical or a material thing, right? And it's important to you. So examine that. Is it important for the right reasons, right? Is it important for the wrong reasons? What is happening to me? And the last idea I want to leave you with, which I love this. I heard this from Rabbi Pesach Krohn. Um, actually, no, no, this isn't that idea, but it would go here too. Um, okay, in Birkas Shachar, we say, well, actually, it could go here, and I probably said it before, that we say the bracha, She'asali kol tzarki, mm-hmm. that Hashem yeah. gave me, and this is the bracha that really, you know, pinpoints this idea. Hashem gave me everything I need. And the truth is, is that bracha in the olden times was the bracha that we would say while we were putting on our shoes. Have I told you this before? No, not So Rabbi Pesach Krohn says, you know, if you put on a pair of shoes that's just a little bit too big on you, you're just not going to have a comfortable day. And you're not going to be able to walk as far in those shoes as you need to get to. I mean, you may get there, but it's not going to be very easy. And he says, and the same is true for shoes that are too tight on you or too small on you. You're not going to be able. too high heel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're a size 8 or too high heeled or just extremely uncomfortable, okay, they might look fantastic. But there is no way you are going to get to the destination you need to get to wearing those shoes. So the idea of the fact that at the time that we're saying that, God, you give me everything I need, we're putting on our shoes is the idea that you you can't I, I can't wear Naomi's shoes. I can't wear somebody else's shoes. I need the shoes that fit me. And the shoes that fit me are tailor-made for my foot. And it's only in those shoes that I'm going to be able to get comfortably, as comfortably as possible, to my destination, to what I, just me, not anybody else, has to accomplish and reach in this world, okay? So everywhere I go, is it, okay, so Ravolba adds to this, he says, after you say this bracha, you say, HaMechin gaver, that God sets up the footsteps of the person. He leads you, so to speak, in the way that you need to go. So everywhere I go is exactly where I need to go in life. And uh, Robinson Schoonmaker says that if you, when you say your morning brachas, if you really concentrate on she'asali kol tzarki and hamechimitz adegavar every morning with a little bit more uh, focus and intensity, it really helps with this idea that, you know, what your job is in life, what you need to get to your destination and goal in life is tailor-made for you, right? It's like those people at the train station where everybody puts down their bag and they say, and they announce, you know, everyone can go pick up anybody else's bag. There's like an old folk tale like that. Go take a look at everyone else's suitcase Mm -hmm. and everybody can pick somebody else's. And the end of the story is that everyone comes back to their own Mm -hmm. because they say, listen, I know mine, right? Mm -hmm. I know my peckle with its good, with its bad, with the strengths, with the negatives. It's mine. Mm -hmm. 
I, it, I own it, right? And the more we own it, the less we feel this com competition and this feeling that other people are somehow taking away from us. Okay, so that's our homework for today. Our homework is to be aware of who are the people in your life that trigger this uncomfortable feeling of, you know, when you're up, I'm down. When you get some kind of accolade or success or material asset, I feel less than, okay? And it's an uncomfortable feeling, but I guess the question to ask is, what is it triggering in me? What is it that I maybe need or want or an area where I need to work harder so that I don't feel those feelings? And again, go back to that idea. They're not taking anything away from me. So what is the illusion that's creating this trigger where really it's in my hands to, to have, or maybe I already have it. And maybe if I don't, so go and get it. Okay? Anyway, thank you for listening. Have a great day.